Breakfast Club is the face of the 80s movie. It is the most iconic teen film of all time. It cemented John Hughes as the voice of the MTV generation. It gave us the Brat Pack. It was a revelation. And it can also teach you how to be the biggest smartass of all time. This is 80s Movie Guide. A guide to what's wrong with your parents. I'm Riley Roberts. And I'm Tara McNamara. The Breakfast Club is five students who are stuck together in Saturday detention. And unsupervised. Yeah, I think that's maybe the most important part, the barely supervised portion of it. What happens when you stick a bunch of kids together (laughs) for eight hours with no one really watching them. Um, There is so much here. There is so much that indicates what's wrong with your parents. Um, But I always... probably why it's so iconic. Maybe. I mean, I think it is. I think it says a lot about adults today. I I want to. I always like to find out what you think about the movie first. Like, if you, you know, this is obviously a film that resonated big time with everyone who is, uh, you know, in their forties and and forties to sixties. But what about what about you? What did you think about it? Well, I think that John, the bad boy, the one that's always in det- detention, the one that's, you know, always in trouble. He's so annoying. Like, he's the most iconic character, and I hate him the most. Like, he just is like, uh, this is what's wrong with me. I'm a bad person. Deal with it. Like, just repeating that over and over again. Like, feel bad for me. My dad hits me. Like, all you do is do sports, and all your daddy says is do this and do this, and your life is so easy. Like, yeah, it's tiresome. <laughs> it's very tiresome. It, and I think it's tiresome by today's standards. Um, I think that was newer. I think having empathy for the bully was brand new. I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm I, really trying to think of a film that did that. You know, now we see it all the time. Now we understand, oh, you know, people bully because they're bullied at home. And, and this is something that movies have used to really drive home. This idea of empathizing with bullies. But I I feel now when I watch this that I don't think he's deserving of our empathy. I'm sorry for what's going on. I, I feel I feel like now we, we we as a society has gone so come around to it. Now we get it. There's something else going on. And that's really what this film is about too, which I want to get into is about all of them are in detention because of their parents, basically. Yeah. That's what that's what this story comes down to. But when it comes to bullies i mean you know bullies are toxic i don't know that we i mean i think trying to understand them and maybe if they could try to understand themselves it would be helpful to stopping bullying except it hasn't (laughs) now we know i mean this is the thing though is that like they're all kind of bullies in their own way except the nerd the mm-hmm. dirty kid. He he. I think he's like the only one of them that like isn't a bad person and doesn't like hurt other people. Right. Which you can obviously see. But the thing with John is like he doesn't feel like a bully. It's just like like in the scene where Claire like puts lipstick in between her boobs and does her lipstick. Right. Mm-hmm. See, he kind of asks her to do that. Right. He's kind of like, show me a talent, right? And then after she does it, he just starts calling her a slut. And yeah. like saying, you're daddy's little princess. Like, she just did something that you asked her to do. Why are you attacking her for it and making her cry for no reason when she's done nothing wrong to you? And this is, like, the fifth time you've, like, sexually harassed her. Right. Like- right. I mean, he's the original troll. Everything about him 
he is provocative in the true meaning of the word. He is, he just provokes. I mean, you know, Claire at some point says, why don't, you know, why can't you just leave me alone? And, um, I know Brian at some point just says, why are you, you know, why are you acting like that? Why do you do this? You know, and they, and they don't, they don't really ever answer that question. And I guess it's because, you know, what are we supposed to get out of it that he's so damaged or so, uh, receives so much negative attention at home that he needs to get attention from other people by making them feel equally miserable. I think that's the idea. That's what bullies do. They feel better because it makes them feel temporarily better about themselves to see someone suffering more than them. And that fact that they're able to turn it around, someone's bullying them. So, which makes them feel small. So they make someone else feel small to make themselves feel big. And that's, that's the overall point, but it really is hard for us to be locked in a movie theater with John Bender for that long. And I think, so I I think that, you know, the elevation of a troll is a real problem with when you say what's wrong with your parents today. I mean, John Bender is a major character and the fact that Claire Wines chooses to be with him, I have the biggest problem with because not only, I mean, he, he, he verbally uh, abuses her and sexually harasses her throughout the film. Like at least three times each. Oh, like, at, at least. At least. I mean, she's not safe from the moment he says, close the door and we're going to impregnate the prom queen. She is in an unsafe situation. And thank goodness Andrew is there to look out for her. Although I feel like Andrew needs to like be a little, you know, like you could up it a little bit more, but you know, no, it didn't occur to anyone to tell the vice principal today. What would you do? Um, probably be like, uh, what the heck? And then tell the vice principal? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you would, uh, hopefully, I think that's another thing that's happened over the last 30 years is parents tell kids, like, you have to tell a teacher, right? Now, when you're being bullied, you tell a teacher. That didn't happen in the 80s. You would just get bullied more, you know what I mean? The teacher would be, and they would say, suck it up, tough it out, you know? I mean, there was... The teachers were not getting involved with that, you yeah. know? They and then re- you know what happens in middle school? Like, this happened to me when I'm getting bullied, and then I come to the other person and try to talk to them about it, and then I get sent to school therapy for yeah. the rest of the year. Right. I do. Right. Not the person that told me to kill myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's... it's like, bullies never get, like, the actual... I, I feel that bullies never get, like, the full punishment. Right. Like, um, oh, you get detention. Oh, you have to sit in a class for three hours, and that's it. I mean, the you th- know what I mean? Yeah. Bullies have always been rewarded. We have a bully as a president right now. It's shocking, you know? And, and, and it's always been shocking to me how you could get a crowd of people to support a bully. And I feel like there's so much psychological you know, education and damage happening to this country right now, because no matter which side of the voting aisle you're on, you have to recognize that the current president is a bully. Like that's just a fact. So um, calling people names and, and trying to harass people to get what you want and to shut other, you know, silence other people, which is what we see Bender trying to do. Yeah. Well, I think, I think for Trump's like that reason, you know, the South, Mm-hmm. And racist states basically are the ones that support him the most. That seems to be what's going on, yeah. And they're all bullies. Yeah. To 
like African Americans or just like being racist in general, that's bullying. Well, that comes from being how you're homophobic, being anything. That's right. Bullying. And that comes from how you're raised, by the way. Yeah. So, so why I think it's regional is because it's people passing it down. And so, by the way, not saying all Trump supporters are homophobic bullies, but <laughs> no, they're, yeah. and, and the racist, but there certainly is a component that oh, is. Yeah. Um, and, and we have homophobic slurs in this movie as well. In Breakfast yeah. Club, you've got, you know, from calling the vice principal out as a brownie hound, which is an, uh, you know, which is a homophobic slur oh. <laughs> and saying, oh, you wear tights. And even Brian's, you know, getting in on it and laughing that Andrew wears tights for wrestling or, and then Andrew, you know, calls one of them a faggot. I don't know. Like it's, it, so that's present too. Like all of this idea of you can't be gay. That's the worst thing in the world. You know, you're the lowest life form. That's carried out in this in this film as well. But I do want to get back to Claire and Bender because it's so horrific to me that, you know, he implies a gang rape at the beginning. She shouldn't be alone in the same room with him after that. He says the hot beef injection line to Andrew. You know, aren't you giving her that? He gets in her face and says, About are you... virgin. And... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, just pushing the whole time. And he gets in her face, are you a virgin? I'll bet you a million dollars you are. And then he details, you know, your Calvin's bunched up on the, you know. And she's horrified. And she even says, like, are you, do you want to make me puke? And he doesn't stop. He's just relentless. And, um, and then... The part where he puts his head between her legs when she's protecting him from getting in trouble. Yeah. You know, Molly Ringwald has really had a, a come to Jesus moment with this with the John Hughes films where she's really in the light of Me Too realized her, you know, participation in yeah. these films and how that these films helped, you know, because I think what we have when you watch The Breakfast Club as an eighties kid, you know all these people. They aren't you, by the way. You're not these, you know, it's not like one of these films where you're relating to the characters because you're those characters. It's, it's different. There's not, it's not relatable like that, but you know all those people. And the way that Bender treats her, that is so not unusual that I looked and looked for movie reviews where someone would call that out. And almost no one did. But m no one says, this is so wrong. It's so horrifying. And the fact that she winds up with him in the end is is the most jaw-dropping moment. I walked out of this movie thinking John Bender was hot. I mean, that's so disturbing to me as in, to say that. And because we look now, we're like, oh, my gosh. But I did. And this is, you know, there was a whole bad boy movement going on in the 80s. There Encourage. <laughs> well, there still is. But, you know, films don't encourage it like. Oh, yeah. They don't encourage it like that as much anymore, you know? They don't um, they, they don't have girls, like, going for the bad guy, and then they can reform them. And that is really the strong message here. Strong message that this guy is so awful, but with Claire's love. Who, by the way, he has a whole photo album or whatever, you know, in his wallet of all these girls where she's like, oh, you know, do you consider any of these girls your girlfriend? And he's like, some of them... I, you know, some I just consider. And the idea is he slept with them all, you know, and that he he doesn't treat them well. So even with that example, that there's nothing that she could do. You don't think those girls felt like they're maybe the ones who could change him if they just showed him some love? And the truth is, you know, you, I, I, I mean, what I have really come to believe is that you, that, that love, you can't fix someone with love. As much as you want to, you can love someone and hope, but don't marry someone or date someone thinking that you can change their horrible life history and that the way that they, you know, 
take it out on the world which just sucks. by loving them. Which sucks because that's all a girl wants to do. I know. <laughs> that's all we want. We just want you to be broken and we just want to fix you. I know. Why like, is that? It would just be so satisfying. Yeah. And then these films tell us we could do it and we're like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I do, but I, but again, now you look at teen films today and they've gotten away from that. I mean, you're going to have cancer and I'm going to have, uh, you know, and I'll have cystic fibrosis, but yeah. together and some one of us is going to die, but until like, that's a teen movie today, but we'll have an amazing love affair until that happens. Um, or we're going to save the world together. It's going to be one or the other, yeah. but they've really shied away from any of these ideas that, that you could fix someone's personality issues or solve the, the, you know, the fact Their that they, life. yeah, that they've been abused or bullied, you know, that that's going to change them as a person. That's, um, for therapy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but I did want to say that, uh, Molly Ringwald did say that head between her legs incident that Bender would have sexually molested her under there. Oh yeah. Know, yeah. That that's what was going on. Yeah. Then there's the line about the fat Claire. Claire is a fat girl's name. That's a, a particularly cruel thing to say. That's cruel, but there are so many people that still do that. Like I, well, it came from this. That? No, that literally, it came from this moment though. Literally, somebody said that to me like two days ago. Uh-huh. Like I said a name. Oh, it was like some celebrity named their child, and someone was like, "That's a fat girl." <laughs> like it, it's it's honestly really funny. Well. <laughs> Okay. I think it's really funny. But the way that he goes after her and says, oh, you know how some fat, you know, you're one of these people who's going to have, you're a fat girl trying to get out of a skinny girl's body and you can see it. And so, you know, creating self-confidence issues and doubt issues and, you know, and again, this is, this is really no different than the homophobic slurs. This is saying, oh, if you're heavy, you're worthless. You know, there's something wrong with you if you are not super skinny. And that was 80s thinking you know it still is um it still is but there's much more body acceptance now now we have plus size models you have icons in the music industry at least that even go out and get butt implants to be curvy you know whereas in the 80s before all this plastic surgery was available you know you had to be super skinny to be hot i mean there's a whole uh is it baby got back or what is (laughs) or is it i like big butts he he's No, I, I got big butts. Like, Sir Mix-a-Lot says that, like, white girls, you know, watch, read Cosmo or something. Like, there's a line in there saying, like, if you're a white girl, you are taught. You are supposed to be rail thin to be hot. And if you have curves, you know, if you have a butt, you're, I mean, listen, boobs are always in. So <laughs> there was never an issue with boobs. But if you had a big butt, like, there was something wrong with you. You know, you're fat. That was, so, so that was another so when you look like, you know, when we talk about what's wrong with your parents and we're talking specifically, Riley, about what's wrong with your parent. I mean, me, I, growing up in that environment was hard. And so, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm not a heavy person, but when I look in the mirror, all I see are, I, I feel like I'm fat because I was not that super thin person. And you are because I genetically engineered you. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know how I didn't get your butt. but Because I married someone tall and skinny, so you would specifically have his body. And then, of course, it turned around, and now big butts are in. Sorry. Yeah. It's really funny because you were always like, like, all my friends was like, your mom's butt is so big. I love it. Like, I love it so much. Everybody loved it. And then I tell you that, and you're like, ew, no. I feel like I got to go on a cleanse. I'm going on a cleanse tomorrow. Like, you think she's fat, and it doesn't make any sense. It's because that's how, that's the environment that I grew in the formative years where it matters. Um, and then I think too, okay. So then also, uh, Bender, when he's one of his other troll moves is about everyone's parenting, right? About, about, Oh, Brian, you know, you're a wet dream for parents or, um, Claire, you know, he really like gets into Claire's thing about saying, calling her out that her mother, the alcoholic and her father, you know, that, that that's all sort of BS and, She's ridiculous and entitled. Um, But I do think there's something here, too, of how it affected our generation because it really starts to play out in this film in particular and John Hughes' films in general. um, Well, and and a lot of 80s movies, that the parents were the problem. This film specifically, every kid is in detention because of their parents. Andrew does the cruel prank because he's trying to impress his dad. Brian is feels so much pressure from his parents to get into a good school and go to a good college. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, <laughs> and he tries to kill himself. Uh, Claire goes shopping. You know, uh, really, she doesn't think her parents even care. She thinks she can get away with it. But there's an implication that this is all about getting at her parents as well. Um, and And, of course, Bender, you know, is who Bender is because... Because of his parents, and right? And the goth girl. Right. And then Allison is, wasn't even supposed to be in detention. She just shows up. <laughs> but she's looking for attention, too. Um, which is why she says, like, I drink vodka. But, you know, when they do the pot smoking scene, she does not participate. And I think that says a lot that, you know, she's also saying things to provoke people. Like Bender. She's similar. But the way that she plays it out is a little different. So his parents beat him. She's ignored. Yeah. And that you see in 80s films, too, like um, Less Than Zero, like rich people just don't, not paying attention to their kids and yeah. giving their kids money. Or having many other siblings or something like that, which she has, like, I think in the end they show that she has, like, a little brother or something. So mm-hmm. I think it's from that. But the one thing we can take away from this movie, though, uh-huh. is that because all of their parents suck, yeah, you can take away because they're all part of different clicks in school don't judge someone because you don't know what they're going through and they may be going through the same thing you are yeah so i that's like the one thing we get out of this is that everybody's equal and everybody has shit going on that is exactly what you should get out of this film this film and remember 80s movies are not message movies they had not really arrived at that idea to do that at this point there there really wasn't big drive home messages with it So it feels like, and again, now where we are today with films is that filmmakers think about empathy building in, in entertainment because, (laughs) because society is lacking empathy at this moment and it's become obvious. And so Hollywood has been like, we have to teach empathy through film. That's something that's happening. Um, it's the breakfast club's fascinating because if you, If you're just looking at it on the surface, you think, oh, this movie is about building empathy for others. 
But you know what? It's not. It really isn't. Because at the end, right, he says, are we all going to be, Brian says, are we going to be friends on Monday? And Claire says, no, we're not. They don't grow. None of the characters actually grow during this film. Now, at the end, Andrew does get together with Allison. We're going to talk about that in one second because that's also messed up. Um, And Claire gets together with Bender, which she's just doing to bother her parents. and, And Bender even realizes that and he's cool with it. There's no way Claire and Bender are making it a week. Yeah. They are not a couple. She's going to shock her friends, and then that's going to be it. Yeah. But I think he's game for that, so that's... Yeah. <laughs> I don't think... I think Bender knows that's what's happening. He doesn't care. Um, but it's not really... But when it, when it... So maybe the audience might gain empathy, but the characters really don't. Yeah. And I think... But that's something... of The thing about that is because the characters don't get that, you look back and you're like, What? Right. Why wouldn't they be friends? Right. So then you're like, maybe I should like continue to be nice to other people who aren't really in my clique or in my blah. Right, right. And that's now why people change from elementary school and, and middle school, once they get into high school, then they're popular or something. When they mm-hmm. used to be the weird kids, because people, they meet new people... And then they become friends, and now they're, like, popular. And they give them a chance. Yeah, because they, they give them a chance and stuff. Which, wait, why is she kissing him? No, this is what I'm saying, because Claire, okay, so we have it going on in the background, yeah. and you just arrived at the point where Claire sneaks into the janitor's closet and and kisses Bender, and he says, why did you do that? And she said, because I knew that you wouldn't. And it's this weird moment, and it's it messed make up. Any sense. It makes no sense. I mean, I'm so horrified. But that, but that's the take. But that is the real takeaway. That's what people took away from this film, right? Is that um, you know that snagging a bad boy was cool and kind-hearted. You know what a hero Claire is. If you look at, if you really watch the film, you see that what happens is after Claire admits. She is not going to be friends with them on Monday. And everyone else in the group reacts in horror, like she's a monster. And that hits her hard. She doesn't want to be seen that way. And so then she gives Allison a makeover. Yeah. And then she sneaks into the broom closet and hooks up with Bender. And by hooks up, I just mean kisses. (laughs) Oh, we don't know. And so it's her really trying to, it's, it's really very superficial in the end. It's very consistent with who Claire is. She just wants to be liked. Yeah. She, she wants everyone to think she's great. And she doesn't want to see in herself that she is not a good person, <laughs> that she is not a great person. Yeah. So she's doing that for herself. Like, look what a good person I am. But that's not the, what, what, what teen audiences took away. They talk about the, the bad boy. And then also the thing with Andrew and Allison. So, you know, Allison's... I like that. Well, I like it. Well, I mean, we like it. But the problem is, is that he spent all that time with Allison before. And they were bonding. Why did Allison have to get a make... Why did she have to have her hair pulled back and have someone else put different makeup on her? What was wrong, by the way, with her look? This is the early 80s. And that was a look. Like, punk rock you know, blondie, um, that was the kind of look that people were wearing who were alt, you know? Like, we didn't call it alt yet, but 
th- it was a look. There was I no reason it. for her to change. I see it. She's as an artist. Because she, she's well. I personally think that what she's wearing is super ugly and way too much. But like you said, that could be eighties. But her hair is all over her. She's gross because, like, in the beginning, she like right the dandruff. dandruff. Well, that's, she still has dandruff. That hasn't changed. Yeah, she didn't but get a- that's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, like, that's absolutely disgusting. Because she's being provocative. Yeah. But yeah. So she's she does all of these things to make her seem weird, and she squeals, and she does all like this. Doesn't thing. talk for half the movie. Yeah. yeah, and she's like super. She's just dressed in all black. So you see her, and you're like, that that girl's just so weird. Like, why doesn't she try? Why does she? Why does she squeal? Why does she do this and that? Why does she ignore me? Why doesn't she talk? Uh-huh. And then when she's all dressed up and she has something, a white, pure kind of dress Oh, on. pure is the word, right. Oh, yeah, like, pure. I'm such a conservative right. Reagan Republican right. <laughs> bow in her hair. And the hair tied back. And for some reason, her hair looks more brown now. I thought uh-huh. her hair was black. But now it just looks brown. Yeah. Um, but then she has makeup on that's not all over her face, like... The makeup that she had on was all over her eyes. It was just black all over her eyes. Yeah. But now Claire, like, defined it to make it, like, make her eyes pop, make her look like a pretty girl, like every other girl at that school. I mean, so no, that's she, the word. She she made her conform. Yeah. So, but that's, I'm saying that's the bigger thing. So, the difference between the way that Allison and Bender are provocative is, you know, Allison often is doing things for herself, right? So when, like, for instance, when Bender starts, you know, singing at the beginning or the things that he's saying, he's doing it to bother everyone around him. Allison makes it snow on her on her artwork, <laughs> on her art scene, not thinking anyone's looking. She's eating the Captain Crunch and Pixie Stick uh, sandwich, She's not looking for a reaction from people, you know? So half of the film, and when I think she's squeaking and being quiet, she doesn't know what to say and she feels awkward. And, um, you know, and she's she is different. She is an artist. She has the soul of an artist. And I don't know why. I, I think it just bothers me that we have, we, the, the film is like, oh, you have to conform to be acceptable. Yeah. You know, when I think she's kind of, I mean, I mean I, the dandruff aside, and people have dandruff, you know, she's just kind of different. But I don't know if that's a society thing. I think that's just a high school thing. Yeah. Because those, they're kids. They don't know better. And then when they see this, they think this girl's super weird and quiet and blah, blah, blah. But then when she looks like a normal girl and after you talk to her, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, she's actually pretty cute. Yeah. And she's not covered in black eyeliner and her hair and her face with dandruff everywhere like she does she doesn't look like that anymore she looks like the girl that you have a crush on in math class yeah yeah so i think that's that's why i don't find it wrong yeah and i think i think that's just high school and in the end brian still has to write everyone's essay so everyone's still like pushing him around because he's the lowest so in the end okay so here's you want to know what's wrong with your parents what's wrong with your parents is that The Breakfast Club is the most iconic movie of the 80s. And everyone grew up with it. And everyone was influenced by it. Your parents were. And the messages were this. Um, is that beauty is a woman's greatest asset. It is snagging a bad boy is cool and kind-hearted. Sexual and verbal harassment is an acceptable form of flirtation. 
which if you want to know why Me Too is happening and why all of that went on for decades, watch this movie. That's exactly why. I mean, it's right there. Because all of these teen boys saw that that was an effective way to get the girl. And if it was just The Breakfast Club, it would be different. But it's not. It's every... Uh, you know, it's it's all of these 80s movies. Um, being a mathlete put you at the bottom of the teen cast system. You know, now being smart or being, you know, nerdy is cool in itself. You know, it can... Because you know you're getting into college. Like, most kids now, like, for me specifically, if this kid is smart and just aces every test, like, I want to be that kid. I want to be right. as smart as that kid. Yeah, because now... Bender, I feel like Bender and Andrew... That's what I feel. Well, I know Andrew's mindset. I have a feeling that that's what he felt towards Brian. Bender should be feeling that way. But Bender, but Andrew's trying to also get into college, right? So that's part. He's just going about it a different way. Um, so then the other, you know, and then there's and the other bad messages here is a woman will love you and you will be healed one day if you're if you're a mess or a, a, a good a good woman's love will turn a bad boy around. And I think one of the the worst and then also your parents are to blame. And so and to take that one step far, further, and I think you really see this in America today. It's that shifting blame is a method to sustain self confidence. You see it with Bender here, and you see it really with all the characters. They all do it. They all blame their parents for their problems. And before that, the greatest generation, and the baby boomers, um, which would be my grandpa and my parents, they really grew up with the sense of you take responsibility for your actions. Okay, There may have been reasons, there may have been causes, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. You take responsibility for your actions. And that seems to be gone and I think that's one of the saddest things of, about, you know, where we are right now as a society. And, and I look at movies like this and I'm like, and you want to know why? It's because we grew up on films like this. But I love this movie. <laughs> it is good. I it is entertaining. Watch, I can't watch this movie one more time. Okay. Well, I, I get it. We've watched watch it a lot to get ready for this. But like, I love Molly Ringwald, but I'm not watching you put lipstick from the boobs on your mouth. Yeah, I mean, this is just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many other things that, that are wrong, but these are the biggest themes. So, go to 80s Movie Guide. We have the podcast page up. Under it, there's a comment section. Let us know what we missed, if you agree, if you disagree. Um, and also, you should follow us on social media. On Twitter, Instagram, at 80s Movie Guide. Mm-hmm. On Facebook as well. I'm Tara McNamara. And I'm Riley Thanks for listening. Yeah.